0: Welcome to Cinematic Doctrine, a Christian podcast service that seeks to encourage and equip Christians to engage and reform the culture of cinema. In this episode, I'm joined by Chris Starren of Truce Podcast as we talk about John R. Cherry III's Ernest Saves Christmas. I love Chris Starren and I love Truce Podcast, so of course I had him back on the show this Christmas season to talk about one of his favorite Christmas flicks. When he suggested we chat Ernest Saves Christmas, I jumped at the opportunity to revisit Jim Varney's classic character. I don't typically throw this term around much, but rewatching Ernest Saves Christmas was very wholesome, and reminded me of the comfort one can have watching holiday films. As we get started, Chris and I dive deep into our general thoughts on Ernest as a character, slapstick as a bygone comedy format, and how nostalgia glasses are virtually required when rewatching films we used to like as a child. Then, our trivia section borderline advocates string theory as we ponder the consistent themes, tropes, and overlapping characteristics of many Christmas films featuring Santa Claus, and how there may be a secret Santa cinematic universe. Chris also shares some amazing history on how Jim Varney and John R. Cherry III built Ernest P. Worrell into a dominating advertising icon and popular Disney character. And lastly, we have a candid discussion on how comedy and slapstick can often be at the expense of others and how sometimes Christians are uncomfortable with that. So we had to Scripture for some literary parallels between the book of Esther and the book of 1 Samuel, and how one can be read with comedic intentions, and the other would be inappropriate to read for kicks. As always, give our guest, Chris Starin, some love and be sure to follow True's podcast after the episode. Without further ado, here's our discussion on Ernest Saves Christmas. So I guess it's been a couple months since the Hamilton episode... But if anybody listening, you will recognize Chris. Well, actually, if you listen to Truce Podcast, you'll recognize Chris Sterin. Chris Sterin, what's going on, man?
1: Hey, uh, thanks for doing this ridiculous film with me. I'm so excited to talk about Ernest <laughs> Saves Christmas. I'm so oh excited. Oh my gosh.
0: I got to tell you that I every time I've typed it out, in fact, you might even see this if you look at the URL for our Zencaster, which is yeah. the uh, the app we use to record, podcast was used to record. I Every time I have said, Ernest saves Christmas, I've never actually said that. I've said, Ernest scared, scared stupid, stupid. Yeah. every time. <laughs>
1: I saw the URL
0: even titles.
1: I saw that. I'm like, oh, does he think we're talking about Ernest Scared Stupid? Did I watch the wrong movie?
0: It's my favorite one. Yeah. Like I just, I when I saved the document to prepare notes, like not my Microsoft Word document. I wrote Ernest Scared Stupid. When I've said it to my wife, like, hey, I'm going to rent Ernest Scared Stupid. (laughs) I mean, so I just every time dude every time yeah. but oh my goodness i got uh, to cheat
1: on that one because this is the only earnest movie i own so i had the dvd oh, of it i got to cheat yeah
0: mm-hmm. so uh that that even just means it's the one that you have most in your mind i do yeah and, so, and so it, that's was, it was a that's gift
1: perfect. from uh an ex-roommate's girlfriend at the time um and uh, and so she gifted it to us and it's like she knows us so
0: well <laughs> Yeah,
1: it's like a very
0: specific uh, yeah. Christmas movie. You That's wouldn't give so this to good. everyone,
1: but you knew that I would like it.
0: That's awesome. So, Chris, why don't before we get ahead of ourselves, why don't you um, tell us about your podcast?
1: Sure. Yeah, I am the host of the Truce Podcast, which is a show that looks inside the Christian Church at things that glom onto Christianity, and then the question, the, the goal is to figure out how did those things get there, and how can we do better. Uh, and so that includes things like pyramid schemes, political campaigns. And, and right now, I'm telling the, this long story of how the rise of communism in Russia impacted the American Christian church and created an era of public religion in the United States. Uh, so it's it's a huge story. And even if you're not a history nerd like I am, I think you can still like it. It's a it's, uh, it's it's a very creative show, and I try to I try to make it so everybody can access it.
0: It's I I love it. Um, Thank you so I, much. Every time I listen to it, I love the creativity you put into the show. I know yeah. there was one where you talked about like the the U.S. map, and yeah. how like the map we have in our mind is actually like decades old and is yeah, not totally up to date. incorrect <laughs> yeah <laughs> totally incorrect and what you did is when you, you went to like a convention and interviewed yep. random people and just said like hey draw the draw the u.s map and obviously right. like it, it sounds like something you would need video for but you're you were you such a good podcaster that you captured well, all you. of their like intonations and everything about them where they're like uh i think i think this is where this state is and then meanwhile right. you're like by the way, I also asked you to draw out the territories, and you're like, yeah. oh, they're not gonna get that. And no. It was just a great hook to then go yeah. into like how this is. Yeah, it was just great. Everyone should absolutely plug into it. And also, um, you can check out on the Cinematic Doctrine website for an amazing interview uh with Chris. Um that is that is just uh just spoke to me and my wife uh with one of the one of the ways that he answered the question. And so Just great. Praise God. Um, You absolutely need to plug into Truce.
1: Thanks. Yeah, and I used to make Christian films, too, so I have some background. I also worked on the Bernie Mac show as an intern. Um, I worked on Hell's Kitchen
0: the first season,
1: uh, the the reality TV show. So I've I've got some background in film, so I might throw some of that into this film, we'll say, in our discussion.
0: And now you're going to move over to the UK and work on the Great British Baking Show. Uh,
1: You know what? I would gain (laughs) so much weight. It would... (laughs) They could i it it would be the death of me, it would be the death of me,
0: well, we don't want that. We want no. you to talk about Ernest Saves Christmas, so we yes. should get started, please. So here we are. we're going to talk about Ernest Saves Christmas. This is a movie that Chris emailed me about. He was timid, he was not thinking yeah. that he was like, "Here, let me sell this to you." but you review all these really important deep films. And- <laughs> one episode after we reviewed jujitsu like well perfect. yeah i love it. Mean, <laughs>
1: you know first
0: reformed and all yeah you know ghost story some good stuff yeah she dies tomorrow but 2020 has been a tough year so we need to lighten things up we do and so yeah. i love that you recommended we do Ernest saves christmas so i this was this is gonna totally totally be perfect yeah um Ernest saves christmas is directed by john r cherry the third who's basically directed All of the Ernest movies. I don't know if he's... I'm curious. I didn't find this out if he did the commercials too. He did, yeah. Oh, did he? Uh Wow. Yeah, and a lot of the commercials were filmed in his house. (laughs) Wow, that's so... He's This guy... Did he like... He did... Did he participate in the creation of the Ernest character then? He did.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I could save that for the trivia section, or we can talk
0: about that Whoa. now, whatever you like. All right. You got to keep listening then. Yeah, we should tease it. Yeah. All right. Uh, written by Ed Turner. I could not also... I, you know, I went on IMDb. I looked on the movie database, and I could not see what else that Ed Turner had really like, worked on in terms of comedy yeah. or anything. Well, a lot
1: of these guys didn't do much of anything else. Wow. This this defined a lot of the people, uh, the the Ernest series.
0: That's kind of sweet. Just, just yeah. friends making movies yeah. and promoting Coke products. That's awesome. <laughs> this film is starring Jim Verney, uh, Varney uh, from the Ernest franchise, clearly, and also from Toy Story and a lot of other Pixar stuff. So that's pretty neat. Um, we got Douglas Seale is also in this movie. He's from Aladdin, The Rescuers Down Under, so some other Disney pro, uh, productions. Noelle Parker Gaylord Sertain. I don't know if I'm getting his last name right. Hopefully I did. Who was in Fried Green Tomatoes. Is he really? Yeah, he I was in Fried Green that. Tomatoes. Yep. Was Bill Burge with him as well? Because it looks like the two no. of them were inseparable. Bill Burge was the was uh, only in Ernest stuff. He did like
1: nothing wow. else that I could find. Uh, he was only in Ernest stuff. And he's actually pretty great
0: in the Ernest series. His expressions, his he does a very physical performance. It's so entertaining. He's such yeah. a fun time. And then also we have... Oliver Clark and so the synopsis we have for Ernest Saves Christmas is Santa Claus is searching for a replacement his magic is running out with two days left until Christmas he searched which man you could not pick a worse time to look for a replacement maybe look like in January instead of two days before Christmas yeah. anyways he's uh two days until till Christmas and he's searching for a righteous and kind-hearted man to take his place In doing so, the magic will return as he passes on the roll, and Christmas will be safe. But wouldn't you believe it, the taxi he hails is driven by none other than the infamously ludicrous Ernest P. Worrell, Jim Varney's classic character, and Santa Claus may find there's a few more problems he'll accumulate during his venture to find the new Santa Claus. From rekindling Christmas cheer in a young runaway, sneaking into Hollywood sets with goofy costumes, reindeer climbing on ceilings and a chaotic sleigh ride featuring lots of screaming, Ernest Saves Christmas offers holiday cheer that's fun for the whole family. That
1: that chaotic sleigh ride you mentioned, by the way, has one of my all-time favorite cinema lines. Uh, They stop suddenly when they're in outer space, which makes no sense. Uh, (laughs) And they've been going crazy. And then Ernest says to the elves, nobody moves, nobody dies. And it's... (laughs) It's such a great line, though. Oh, it's so silly! And then, of course, one of the elves sneezes, and they go back and oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, so, so good. good, so good. So the uh, we're going to also give you a, a little about the uh, MPAA rating, uh, and it's rated PG, and there's no certificate, so it doesn't really give you ideas of exactly why it's rated PG as opposed to G. Uh, but uh, we came up with a few different things. Uh, first of all, there's a lot of blatant product placement like uh coca-cola bud Light, the christmas stuff earnest stuff um and there's also a uh, brief imagery uh that contains women and men in bathing suits but it's not very much uh, so it doesn't you know it's not super sexy or anything
0: yeah yeah there's
1: a second commandment violation if, if you don't like visions of jesus like being manifested there is a jesus in a manger um, and so if your convictions lean that you, you don't want to see any of those things, th- this will probably upset you. By the way, I have an upcoming episode about um, nativity scenes. Ah, that's like perfect. The legality of nativity scenes on public property. I'm really excited to listen to that one. Yeah. <laughs> Getting into the Supreme Court
0: decisions. Anyway, a little more plug for truth. <laughs> Supreme Court decisions on baby Jesus. This is oh, awesome. Oh my goodness.
1: I can't yeah. wait. <laughs> uh, yeah. That'll be a great way to build the audience. Um <laughs> For me, Uh, there's also, there's an implied swear word. The the movie is clean and and the the word is not said, but it's implied. Like it's, you can kind of fill in the blank. It's okay, Um, but it is implied. So that might upset some viewers. Um, And there's a scene where snakes are dumped into a truck. So first um, there's this command in Genesis 128 that humans are to have dominion and take care of the earth. And so there's this, Line that can be crossed about being irresponsible with animals, you know, accidentally hurting them by just, you know, sloppily dumping them into a truck, that kind of thing. Uh, you could see that as being wrong. And then um, the second point is that when Ernest removes the snake, so there's this gag where he's got a whole bunch of what well, are obviously fake snakes <laughs> yes. on, his, on hanging from his face. And so there's a little bit, of, you know, scarring, a little bit of red makeup um not, not any like blood or anything it's not graphic um but it is played for laughs but you know that you know might <laughs> bother some younger is, viewers yeah, yeah, to see all these yeah. snakes on a face and you know, they could they could never be that <laughs> many snakes on one person's face and then there's a, a a gag where ernest disguises himself as like this really old comic lady with um A large chest. um, And the character's name is Auntie Nelda. I looked that up. um, And he plays it in different movies. And this was honestly, it was my favorite character he plays in any of his films because Ernest ends up kind of doing a lot of voices and impressions and other characters in his movies and this is one of the recurring ones um well this this could be seen as provocative
0: especially with that framing like the way it's introduced she steps into frame and you're like from behind that's that's the first thing you're going to show us about this character (laughs) it is i will agree though it is probably my favorite of his costumes that although it is a close second to the rich man when they yeah. go to the prison, but we'll get into that later. Yeah. So. <laughs> also recurring. Yeah. Um,
1: and then there are elves who are portrayed in the movie, which is a kind of a common trope with Christmas films is you see elves, but they are little people um, who play them. And it can kind of sometimes be insulting you know, to see people,
0: mm-hmm. little people, always yeah.
1: playing that role as if that's the only thing
0: that they can do. Especially, yeah. 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 Hollywood definitely does not have a good track record of being- right respectful to people with that. So it's, yeah, yeah, (laughs) no getting around it, (laughs) no getting around it. Uh, And then,
1: so there are not a lot of, this is sort of typical for this era. I hate to say, or in comedies in general, there are not a lot of great roles for women and non-white actors.
0: Yeah. And and
1: that's, I mean, we still kind of see that today, unless the movie is, we we kind of had this weird line where if a movie is made for black audiences, it has a lot of black characters in it. And then, if it's not made specifically for them, it's mostly white. Yeah. And so this movie kind of falls into that, as as do most comedies. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, we have yet to progress to the point where you can have a really well balanced comedy. But mm-hmm. and there's there's a fair bit of lying and deception in this movie. Um, <laughs> so you know, uh, overall, the movie is you know family friendly, and you can watch it. I think, but uh, there are these things that that could be could need some addressing. Especially with small small kids,
0: it's funny that we're we not only in the synopsis, but you right there mentioning that it's a family friendly film. Yeah. But this content awareness uh, section was longer than Jujitsu's content awareness <laughs> section, and that movie's rated R. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's uh. so I always find that very a little funny.
1: Yeah, well, and this the movie is it has a lot of slapstick humor in it. So it's going to be sort of like a road runner and a yes. you know, car- cartoon where there's going to be yeah. a lot of cartoony violence that you're laughing at. Um, and so that, that can be also offensive to people. Um, and so you just kind of get that in, in a like a jiu-jitsu yeah. there's generally not violence for humor's sake. It's violence. Right. Just for, violence. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, Violence's sake. Yeah, yeah. It's a whole different thing to laugh at violence than it is to, you know, Either be scared by it, or to like go, oh yeah, get that guy, get that guy, um, right, it's, right, yeah. So some people, some people don't like violent humor.
0: So, then lastly, in our introduction, we have our call to action, everybody's favorite part. It's my favorite part. Oh, yeah. I definitely don't fast forward during call to actions um, <laughs> when I listen to them. Oh, uh, cat's out of the bag. Uh, but yeah, you could leave a review for Cinematic Doctrine on iTunes or Podchaser if you enjoy the show. And you could even probably go over to Truce Podcast. And if you enjoy that show, what? leave a review. Just going to put that, I don't know. You can also follow our social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also join our Facebook group titled "Cinematic Doctrine Group" if you'd like to talk to other Christians who love movies and sort of just keep up with sort of what's going on, participate in some really interesting conversations. Check out our other shows under the same feed: Trailer Talk and Monthly Movie News, where we talk about more other movie culture, current movie culture content. You can check out our website, cinematicdoctrine.com, for other written content. Uh, we've teased in a few episodes an upcoming. Quibi sort of discussion sort of episode and there's also going to be some Quibi written content where I talk about the best kind of like order from worst to best the shows that I watched there that are all basically lost media at this point because Quibi's dead so it's gonna be really interesting to go through that uh, even though knowing like nobody can watch it it's just really It's a fascinating subject to me, and so it should be a fascinating read for you as well. So keep your eyes peeled for that. And also you can support us on Patreon for as little as $3 a month if you enjoy the show. You'll gain access to exclusive voting privileges and deciding a movie we discuss at the end of each month, uh, such as The Santa Claus uh, for last month which was very good. Me and my wife had a good time with that. And then even Chris Darren's episode that he was on uh, back in, I want to say that was July's. Something like that. Patron selected episode. Yeah. And we talked about Hamilton, which was oh. just a great time. Yeah. So um, just definitely go plug into that episode, but also. Plug in your credit card information into our Patreon (laughs) and support for $3 a month. You also get access to an exclusive podcast show called The Pre-Show, where we just have a lot more free-form discussions because we know that podcasters just love unscripted conversations. And so you can always plug in for a lot more uh, in-depth discussion on Christianity and life discussions there. But without further ado, Ernest saves... Christmas. It's not Ernest scared of Christmas. It's no. not Ernest saves Halloween. Mm-mm. It's or, or stupid. Ernest saves stupid. It is Ernest <laughs> saves Christmas. Chris, Darren, you recommended this movie, so I, I think did. you should go ahead and get us started. Now, remember, this is a movie that everyone's just. The spoilers of this movie are a big deal, Chris. Right. So please yes. do not share spoilers. I won't. But what did you think of this movie? This this film has
1: such a big place in my heart, and as you know, films that you grow up with have a very special place with you. So a lot of times the films we see as kids, we can look past their imperfections and we can love them. I mean, if you watch um, The NeverEnding Story right now, I watched that as an adult and I I think it is truly awful.
0: Um, But... (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome yeah but you still cried right during the one scene you didn't
1: i didn't at all no i Uh,
0: remember okay (laughs) smallest smallest tangent i remember watching there is a particular scene in that movie i remember watching it before going to school that day and i was just sad all day, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all day. So yeah. I should rewatch that scene before I start work and see what happens. Oh man! Anyways, go ahead. <laughs> but, you know, we a lot of people have a love for the never ending story, but
1: if they'd seen it as an adult first, it might not have that. So I'm saying, yeah. I'm, with that, I may be a little biased. <laughs>
0: The nostalgia glasses are on
1: ah oh, they're on, and they are they're so good uh, this, <laughs> this movie and the series really shaped my family and then me as a filmmaker i i kind of I love elevated humor where somebody is acting a little bit bigger than than our world works. so if you see my film bringing out Bobby, we were going for a slightly elevated world uh where it wasn't realistic, but the, all the characters work sort of a little bigger than life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I, I really like that. And I think it's something that we don't see a lot in comedy anymore. Yeah. Um, everything is so dark and um, there's, there's not a lot cynical. of positive, fa- cynical. Yeah. Um, whereas like this movie, th- there's so much hope and Ernest just, or is like overflowing with hope and joy, even in the midst of some really bad scenarios. And uh, he has this, this um, ability to, um, to, to be like, a very lovable nincompoop yeah. that I think is is such a great hard line to walk. You know, it's something like Michael Scott in the office walked that line where he was a lovable nincompoop mm-hmm. and, and Ernest does that very well. And also this movie contains what I consider one of my all time favorite comedic bits. Uh, and so there's the sequence uh, where Ernest, he has this neighbor named Vern and Vern, believe it or not, comes up in my family's, Vernacular. <laughs> <laughs> we talk about Vern, like he, my older brother will say, You know what I mean, Vern? Which is one of the lines you hear in this Aww, movie. That's cute. Yeah. And I don't think he even knows he's saying it. Um, you know, it's just <laughs> part of his language, you know? And so there's this sequence where Vern is a character you don't see. You don't ever see his face, you don't hear his voice. Um, and this started back in the commercials when they were making ads for all sorts of things. You, there was this neighbor who you don't see that Ernest talks right to the, the camera lens and uh, you're sort of in the place of Vern and Ernest barges in with this Christmas tree and tries to set it up and, and disastrously. And at one point, this is the, the bit that I love is he's trying to pull this cord out of the wall oh, yes. yeah, <laughs> and he ends up pulling, yanking the cord rather than unplugging it like a human being. He yanks it and yes. eventually rips the wires out of the wall and like shorts out the, the electricity
0: in the house. It is so ridiculous. And not only that though, cause they cut, they cut away and then they cut back he is still pulling the wire, and it has cut through paintings. It has cut through like furniture, like it's a blade, like a hot blade. It is so good. And if you've ever done any kind of
1: construction, you know that you don't like put the electrical cords like diagonally across the wall. They're usually right. like in right angles. But this one is at like all sorts of ridiculous angles. So it's it's totally over the top. And you can, if you want to just like search on YouTube for clips from Ernest Saves Christmas and you'll find that one, it is comedy gold. It's so good. It's rare in a comedy where you see one character who is completely carrying the movie and Ernest carries the movie in every single one of his movies um, to the point where a lot of the time the other actors are not that good uh, in reality, but he just carries the whole thing on his shoulders. It's, it's really remarkable. One of the things I love about the Ernest movies is they take us back to this bygone era where anything was possible in a movie. Uh, So the year this thing came out, I looked up all these films. The year that this movie came out, you had Beetlejuice, Die Hard, Willow. (laughs) Who framed Roger Rabbit? Which any anybody who's followed me for a long time knows is my all time favorite film. Oh wow! They Live, which is a film about a, a pair of sunglasses that let a man see hidden aliens. They were taking over the
0: world. John Carpenter. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Big, which is a movie about a little boy who grows up. It goes, you know, becomes a man overnight. Yeah. Child's Play, where a doll starts killing people. Twins, which is like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito are somehow twins. That's right. <laughs> so yeah, th- this movie happens in this period of any, like any idea you had would fly in a movie. Wow. Anything. Th- all those films I named are ridiculous. Uh, all the, you know, but they, they existed in this beautiful period where anything could happen uh, in the late eighties and the early nineties. And I think that's something that that's really missing in this world where everything is dystopian. And, and all movies for teenagers are like uh, super moody and like, oh, yeah. I, I love you, but I have cancer and I'm going to die by the end of the movie, you know, yeah. or these moody, <laughs> like kids movies are like Marvel movies. They're, you know, moody superhero things.
0: Yeah. Just like angry, like 40 year old men with superpowers punching each other, punching each other. Yeah. You don't yeah. get this,
1: this sort of joy that comes from this ridiculous era where like this is like the era of bill and ted you know where it's like yes yeah two yeah. rockers are going to save the world with their song um and i think that there's something sort of it, it comes out across hokey now but there's something very beautiful about that era um that that just really works for me that takes me back Again, never-ending story, ridiculous story, uh, labyrinth, ridiculous story. Same era, uh, but we we kind of miss that magic and joy. Um, so it's one of the things watching this over and over again uh, uh, over the years that keeps coming back to me is how sweet this movie is and how like you know ridiculous the plot is, but also it
0: kind of works because of the era it was in. You know, sometimes I feel like uh, thinking about the streaming age where a lot of streamers were just trying to get content. Yeah. kind of had a taste of that for a bit, I'd say for like maybe four or five years, definitely stopping now as streaming norm- is normalized, but like, or has definitely settled into normalization where these streamers were just trying to find content and bolster their stuff. So there's just like a lot of really interesting and creative stuff. I know there's some interesting kind of thoughts regarding like a Netflix co- show called the The O.A., Oh which yeah. is what it's called, and I heard that that's a just truly, truly bizarre show. There's even you mentioned um Labyrinth, I was just thinking of Dark Crystal age of Resistance, yeah. which is just like nobody would make a show with just full puppets that is over seven hours long, right. except for just I guess if you have Netflix money uh, yeah. and it's great. I loved yeah. it. I'm, it'll never get a second season and it is a cliffhanger show. So I'm just like, I, I mean, I know how it ends because it's set before the Dark Crystal. But yeah. like, it's like, there's just a, there, there's like a taste of a lot of interesting stuff like that, or even maybe early Cartoon Network. But yeah, like from Hollywood, especially we have committees that have really decided what works yeah. And for some reason, uh, well, actually, it's interesting that you mentioned like teenage and dystopian stuff, because then I was just thinking of like when Hollywood was just producing a ridiculous amount of young adult movies. Mm-hmm. But unless you were Harry Potter or Hunger Games, it didn't work. But then, yeah, Hunger right. Games is ridiculously brooding right. <laughs> and miserable. And very violent. Yeah. yeah I <laughs> And ridiculous. If you spend five minutes trying to figure out the plot, and you're like, right. wait, what? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's. Yeah, watching Ernest, I got similar vibes of like, yeah, a post-hangover comedy movie, like post-stoner comedy, this would never exist right. ever again. Yeah, And technically, I guess it was post, not maybe not post-stoner comedy, but post-college comedy because right. I don't know, I forget what year Animal House came out, but that was... Let's say it was before this. Yeah, that was yeah. a big shift. National Lampoon stuff was a big shift in comedy, I felt like. Right. It's nice though to watch an earnest movie where it's like, "Hey, this comedy is just rubbery faces and right. costumes." I love this.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And a lot of my favorite comedies came from this era. So, like, uh, you get into sort of the "What About Bob's" uh, or "Groundhog Days" of uh, in this era. Yeah, Groundhog Days, great. We, we miss that kind of stuff. Um, and actually, it, it occurred to me watching this that slapstick humor sort of ebbs and flows through history. Um, you know, it's, it started at the beginning of films and the silent films. You had a lot of slapstick because vaudeville actors were coming over into the movies and you had guys like Laurel and Hardy, uh, which kind of work for the, the two guys in this movie who work at the airport, you know, mm-hmm. Chuck and Bobby, the big guy and the little guy. And, uh, they're very reminiscent of, of a Laurel and Hardy where, uh, like the big guy does all the talking, the little guy hardly ever talks. You see, I saw that in Laurel and Hardy. And then, um, and that Kind of stuff ebbed and flowed, and then you got guys like Ernest who kind of revive this. Um, and I think that there's I don't know, I couldn't find anything on this, and I, I scoured the internet, but I want to believe that Jim Carrey must have benefited from Ernest in some ways.
0: Absolutely, you know? I could not imagine if he, yeah, there's no doubt about that right. in my mind, and and weirdly, like there, there. I had some hope
1: for a resurgence of of slapstick because Zach Galifianakis in the uh, Baskets TV show was was trying to bring this back. If you didn't see Baskets, it is a dramatic slapstick TV show. Um, So it is it is a drama with slapstick. Interesting. (laughs) It's a really weird blend, and only the first two or three seasons work. The rest of them is it's it doesn't really work. Mm -hmm. There was this little resurgence of it, Um, and I also wonder how much impact um Jim Varney and, and uh the Ernest movies had on the Medea movies. So like Tyler Perry's film. That's
0: true. Yeah. Cause
1: I, have been saying for years that I believe that uh, Tyler Perry is just the black earnest uh, in those films. Yeah. I, I did see one article of somebody else who agreed with me on this and I was so thrilled to find it. <laughs> dozens of us. There are dozens <laughs> of us because like there's a lot of similarities. They, they play very strong characters um, who yeah. often get their way. Um, and, uh, you know, things go wrong, but they eventually sort of wrap up nicely. Uh, they're both cultural phenomenons. And even though they, they take sort of stereotypes about their, uh, their people that they're talking about, like, um, Ernest is very much sort of the, the, the Southerner.
0: Yes. yes.
1: And, uh, and Tyler Perry's Medea is very much sort of the, the angry black woman or, you know, diary of a mad black woman was one of the films. Um, and, but they, they do that. They enter into those. It, talking about those stereotypes without insulting the people and the people group,
0: and I even think, like, if you're continuing with like some lasting slapstick, a bit of Adam Sandler oh, sure. post like uh, post Adam Sandler renaissance is difficult, because uh, yeah. yeah. some of the films are not good at all. But but like Hubie Halloween felt very slapstick and was actually very entertaining. One of my wife and I had a very fun time watching that. I know Carter. Carter Bennett really enjoyed it. I think he said it's in like his top 15 of the year. What? Um, Carter, if you're listening, wow. you're gonna have to remind us if that's accurate because it's it's very funny. Huh. But that he has very slapstick stuff and Huey was ex- absurdly slapstick. Uh I was even thinking if Dairy Girls, this Scottish Netflix oh, right. show, has a bit of slapstick, but that's just also because the performers in that are so expressive Hmm. so expressive if my parents are listening they love it because they love how expressive they are and it has almost a slapstick vibe where like one scene a character is like holding a tray of alcohol but like right beneath it is a candle and you're like well i know what's about to happen (laughs) and and of course it happens and it's got that very like It's so funny because slapstick doesn't feel like it has a typical structure of comedy of holding the punchline back. You know, right? Like part of comedy is not is being surprised. Right. But like slapstick almost feels like I know what's going to happen. Right. But I'm going to laugh anyway. Why am I going to laugh? I know what's happening. Then you do. I don't know. Well, In
1: a way it's like horror films where you often, the music and the lighting and stuff tell you that someone is going to come. Like there's going to be a jump scare. I know there's going to be a jump scare. And then it's very satisfying in a way when it happens.
0: Yeah. I know Jordan Peele had, uh, says that part of what makes get out and us so easy for him is because or working on horror is so easy for him is because he's done years, years of comedy with right. uh Key and Peele. And it's all about preparing punchlines, setting things up, and then ensuring that the way they end is satisfying. And right. just doing that repeatedly. Because mm-hmm. a horror movie that is not scary is boring. Just right. like a comedy that is not funny is boring. <laughs> so right. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's amazing the, the parallels there. I, I will say that like, with uh, with this seeing some of Ernest's characters, I was like, I want to see, I want to see Jim Varney in a serious role. I was yeah. like, has he ever done? I looked at his backlog, but I didn't investigate too much. But apart from like, because Pixar movies are a bit, they're not a slapstick. As, right. <laughs> as Yeah. They're barely slapstick uh, compared to Ernest, but he's also voice acting, so it's very different. Yeah. And I was like. I wonder if he's done something like a drama because when he did his characters, especially the rich man—I forget the name for yeah. it—I was like, "This is like he is a completely different character." Yeah, like I—I I didn't think to myself, "This is Ernest being somebody else," because Ernest does not have the wit or cleverness to be another character. Yeah, but Jim Varney does, and yeah. that's why I'm enjoying this. And I was like, I would love to see that character though, maybe a little turned down in a real movie. And I was like, that would be such a interesting movie to watch this rich guy be basically a scumbag because that's what he is (laughs) uh, as he's lying to the police
1: (laughs) so well he did he did do beverly hillbillies uh which is a comedy um but there are dramatic moments within it where he's like he's talking to ellie may at one point outside and there it's it's a dramatic moment where he's sort of the supportive father um and there's also there's a film, I can't remember what it was called, that he was in, or, or a TV show that he was in, and he has a, a scene where he's somebody who's yelling, but he's having a very dramatic moment. Um, so yeah. he did have some of that, and he he was trying to get away – from the earnest films or trying to at least stretch beyond them. Mm-hmm. Um, but people kept pulling him back in. It's sort of the thing like Elvis, you know, trying to get away from those beach movies that they, they made him make over and over again. That's right. Uh, he, he was so stereo, like, so pigeonholed in that. So typecast, mm-hmm. it was hard for him to get away, but also Jim Varney died pretty young. So like uh, he didn't really have time to build up
0: that extra repertoire. It was like 2002 or two thousand two thousand. Yeah. 2000. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah, yeah, man, that's tough. Yeah, to share my thoughts though, um, I really enjoyed uh, Ernest, uh, saves or Chris- er- I will set it again, Ernest Scared Stupid. For- I like Ernest Scared Stupid, <laughs> and we will talk about it someday. Please, please. now I have to <laughs> tell the meak,
1: the meak <laughs> joke in that is alone. <laughs> Do you remember the Miak thing?
0: I remember the the one where they're lost in the woods, and he says, "Remember, if you get lost in the woods, the bark grows on the outside of the tree," <laughs> and that gets me every time, every time. But what's what's the Miak one? The Miak there's. Apparently
1: the only thing I'm giving away a spoiler on the wrong film. We're not even talking about this movie, but uh, <laughs>
0: Do it. Do it, do, do it. it.
1: In Ernest Scared Stupid, the only thing that kills the trolls that are taking over this town is milk. But Ernest misreads it for me. Right. Yeah, that's right. Um, and uh, and so he gets his jar of grandma's good old fashioned meak. <laughs> <laughs> so good. My brother and I still refer to milk as meak.
0: That's so good. There's a YouTube video where these guys are like the. it's called Malk and it's all about these roommates that misquote milk. So like, yeah. get the guy some Malk and he's like, it's milk. No, right. it's Malk. And he goes, Jimmy, isn't it milk? And he goes, yeah, it's milk. And it's just like this is ridiculous, <laughs> right? And, oh, oh, it's so good. So anyway, yeah. So so you in, you enjoy <laughs> the Ernest movies, yeah? Yes, I do. I could just probably talk about all of them, and, and, yeah. but I'll try and as long as I can say Ernest Saves Christmas, I'm looking yes. at the title of the document so I yes. read it right. I really enjoyed this one. It was comfy to watch yeah. because I didn't quite find it like stimulating in the sense of like being an adult i didn't have not as much um look at me saying that at 25 years old but i'm an adult if you're not you are i'm an adult it counts ernest saves christmas i did enjoy but definitely didn't have the strongest nostalgia glasses to 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 really get into it but i just liked how comfy it felt to watch i really enjoyed watching jim varney perform i enjoyed the very low budget 90s aesthetic i mean just the outfits made me so happy Right. And um just the hairpins in um Noel Parker's hairpins are just great. I love them. So it's just great. I I I also Cat and I just chuckled at the very pre me too aesthetic of like Noel Parker's character just ran away from home and then s- sleeps over at at, right. at, at, her, at her house and you're like is this is this normal? <laughs> but then I'm like I <laughs> I guess that makes sense. Whatever.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, the idea is he's such an innocent character that that would never cross his mind. Right. You know, it's
0: so like and it's great. It's pure and I love it. Um, It adds to the adventure because it's just a movie that needs to move forward. And I like that. Like, it's just I I love movies. So I just love when movies do things that are like that. It's a different universe. That's what I loved about this. It's the earnest universe where everyone just like ernest has a job and is a man who should not have a job right um he's too destructive to have a job i mean in ernest <laughs> in ernest goes to jail he is
1: a a janitor at a bank and has access to the vault it
0: doesn't make any sense at all ernest what is it ernest joins the army yeah <laughs> who's going to give ernest a weapon it's I, so good yeah i love it um <laughs> But that's just what makes it great. It's It's just this other world. So, yeah, yeah, I loved that. I loved all. When
1: you can have so much fun with that innocence, you can have so much fun with it because we we don't have that much anymore uh, of innocence
0: uh, in movies. In a cynical movie, a character like that would just like die. Like that's what it would be, and the joke would be that up. Well, he died. (laughs) Like that's the joke, and it's like that's not that's not funny i mean i guess i always say it in other episodes where like filmmakers can if they if they're smart enough it can work so yeah i guess it could work but it's like yeah it's just at some point though it gets a little numb and and cynical and sad but right i'm glad that ernest stays pure yeah even when he goes to jail so, yeah so that's great have you seen any of joe Perez stuff so
1: to bring it back into the modern day. I don't think so, no. It's a it's a comedy central adult swim show, but it is the sweetest, kindest adult swim show you could ever imagine. It's like an episode of Prairie Prairie Home Companion put to TV. I'm starting to recognize the name
0: as you're going through it. Keep, yeah, keep going. Joe
1: Para. Um you can watch some of them online. Uh, HBO, I think, has now sort of taken them on their streaming platform. So they're pulling it off of the free platforms. But oh, it's bummer. it's a very he's a very sweet, very calm comedian. Um, and it's such a striking difference to what even if you watch the stand up everybody on stand up is talking about these gross perverted things, and Joe Pera is talking about these really simple things like a whole one of the story arcs for his whole season is will my bean arch my like green bean arch that I planted in my backyard grow? <laughs> And it's it's it is, awesome. It's fascinating, <laughs> but uh, so I, I wonder if like this isn't coming back in a way. You still see some of this innocence coming, and it's it's in such a great sharp contrast to the the in your face comedy that we get now, where it's about shock.
0: Could be. I mean, you just mentioned sh- like comedy about shock. Slapstick probably had a bit of that experience in uh, Tim and Eric stuff. I think Tim and Eric comedy mm-hmm. at times can be very slapstick, but it's also very shocking sometimes too yeah (laughs) or even um check it out with steve brule is a very Mm. comfy guy very much a character john c Riley playing a character probably his most entertaining character yeah it's a bit slapstick but also uh, ridiculously absurd so like kind of teeters on it but watching their stuff kind of gives me a slapstick vibe so i could see that but it's like it's so transformed and it's very modern tim and eric is so absurd and there's not really cynicism in it it's just bizarre and right. so i guess maybe it lines more shocking but you don't get that in earnest films and that's no. okay because yeah. earnest is pure and yeah. keep it pure i have memories though of like going to like blockbuster and just oh, seeing yeah. shelf upon shelf of earnest films so there was a <laughs> bit of that enjoyment of just remembering that experience because they never had what you wanted but they had earnest films it was very good very good stuff I I also found it funny we mentioned the marketing and branding in this film. Yeah. And the content awareness and while this film is not cynical by any means in its presentation there is cynicism to the fact that like the beginning of this movie is a bunch of really beautiful hand drawn photo or painted images of Santa Claus and then very like three frames in then you get him holding a coca-cola bottle yeah which i just i think like the modern day looking back aesthetic to me is cynical of just being like right away i'm being hit in the head with an advertisement but that's also the earnest way Right, he started out making commercials after all right and so it's like inevitable um so i found that funny to chuckle with but also like
1: Ah, there we go. It might also be worth noting that John Cherry, who was the director and I believe one of the writers, like uh, he he started off them doing commercials, but he was an ad executive. Uh, And then he became Ah, a film director for these movies. Um, So, I mean, I just think ads are in his nature Uh, and it would be natural for him to think oh well we can help pay for this movie by putting coca-cola on it you know
0: oh yeah people still do that today some of them are more subtle but anytime there's a a car in a movie and the opening shot to that car is the logo yeah it's an (laughs) advertisement oh yeah (laughs) they supported that movie i also the 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 other two things that this movie made me think of is how many other movies exist that are christmas movies that feature santa claus and a prison Mm. I'm just going to let that kind of sit out there. When we get into our trivia, we're going to get into that a little more. But uh, I just I have seen a lot of movies where Santa Claus either goes to jail or a jail is in the movie or there's police going after Santa Claus. It's a very interesting trope to me. Yeah, Um, I think it should have its own like Wikipedia article. I feel like at this point, uh, maybe it's out there. I'll go take a look. And then lastly, I enjoyed how this film balanced its budget because it is a movie that uses a Hollywood set as a primary scene in the film, because that's where they would be anyway. Mm -hmm. It is very much shot in Florida. I mean, it's not only (laughs) the setting that's Florida, but it is literally shot in Florida. So they make note of it being in Florida, which is cute. All the, all the precious fake snow. I just love it. It just, it has that very old Hollywood vibe to it. Yeah. That just makes me very happy uh, to watch. And as a, as a, fan of movies as a culture and as a community and as a as an art form that just ticks all the right boxes for me so yeah Ernest Saves Ernest Saves Christmas yes Ernest Saves Christmas the movie we are talking about the movie we are reviewing right now not not Ernest Scared Stupid I really enjoy this one and it was a fun time so definitely worth the rental and people should People should add that to their Christmas list, uh, along with Muppets Christmas and oh, so good. I don't know, uh, Santa Claus. That's another
1: one. I, I should add, and you you mentioned it was obviously shot in Florida. Uh, one of the things uh, this was shot in the Disney G or MGM Studios, which is now named Disney's Hollywood Studios, and it was the first movie ever filmed there. One of the other things that you may remember that was filmed there was the outside of the Golden Girls' house. Ah, okay. Back in the day, if you would take the tram ride through Disney MGM in Florida, you would mm-hmm. get to see the Golden Girl house and Ernest's house. Cute. And I remember as a kid freaking out when I saw Ernest's house. <laughs>
0: oh, that's really sweet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a really great moment for me as a kid. I wonder if it's still there because I know they've done a lot <gasps> of renovations. So I'm curious if like, if they've updated it or if they just put some like Marvel stuff, it's such a bummer that a lot of the stuff is just changing to like Marvel and yeah. star Wars. But yeah. instead of like all the other good stuff that Disney does, but anyways, Chris, you excited to go into our trivia section? Oh, so excited. Yeah. I think, I think there's some really interesting stuff here. Yeah. It was hard because I was like looking, I was like, is there a lot of like, were there a lot of interviews for this? Cause this is like a low budget, I, I think it was a straight to DVD movie. This movie? No, it was a theatrical release. Was it? Because I couldn't I couldn't find out. So the that's... first uh,
1: five were huh. theatrical release. So Ernest goes to camp. Wow. Ernest saves Christmas. Ernest goes to jail. Ernest scared stupid. And Ernest rides again were theatrical releases. Yeah. Well, I mean, and you say it's low budget, but uh, Ernest goes to camp, which was the first movie in the series. The budget was three million. The budget for Ernest saves Christmas was six million. Really? So yeah. So they actually
0: did have a bigger budget what's the comparison because i know that that of course if it's this, this the exact number 6 million now would be low budget but right. what would that be for it would probably be
1: pretty reasonable uh, for this film being shot in florida and you know uh, mm-hmm. would have been probably decent uh, for a film in 19 or released in 1988 yeah um, and it, it grossed 28 million dollars in the box office which is i saw that, that was, that's good that's pretty great yeah and of course i mean that doesn't account for the, the you know the vhs and dvd sales and rentals uh, which is almost certainly where they made their money.
0: So I guess we've already technically gotten started our trivia section. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. All right, let's let's go into these. Uh trivia typically we don't give away any spoilers, but it's also just us following our format. There's not a lot to spoil in this movie, but uh we like to of course keep that open. So I I want to dive into this particular trivia which was kind of I almost touched on a little bit. So actor Douglas Seal plays Santa Claus in this movie. He initially plays Santa Claus in this film and had previously performed as Father Christmas in an episode of Amazing Stories titled Santa 85. And in the episode, Santa had been thrown in jail, wink, wink, and a young child who believes he is the real Santa helps him escape to finish his run of delivering presents. Now, not only does that sound a little like what happens in Ernest Saves Christmas, as Santa Claus at one point is arrested for simply being senile, I guess, which I guess gets you arrested. Also, he is later broken out by Ernest and the young woman he's been traveling with. And if you want your mind blown further, not only does it seem like Ernest Saves Christmas was influenced a little bit by this episode of Amazing Stories, but if you check out the IMDb trivia section of The Santa Claus, the Tim Allen Christmas flick we previously covered on Cinematic Doctrine, someone speculated that that film also took influence from the Amazing Stories episode. But not only that, Santa gets arrested in Netflix's Christmas Chronicles, which is absolutely ridiculous. Oh yeah, and they also sing in prison in that movie too, which you know in Ernest Saves Christmas they sing in prison in this movie What's going on, Chris? I need an explanation. I don't Are know. Are these all? Is this like a cinematic universe? What's happening? I think part of what it is is
1: Santa Claus. We associate with North Pole and with you know wholesomeness and giving kids toys. But part of comedy is seeing something out of its element. And I think when you think the opposite of you know Santa Claus giving away gifts, it's you know, Santa Claus in jail prison. Yeah. (laughs) And I also, I wondered if (laughs) like those prison scenes didn't uh, inspire them to make Ernest goes to jail. Could be. Could the very be. next Ernest film.
0: I'm just curious if we're like 5 years away from like a Christmas movie set like in the Shaw like Shawshank Redemption but Santa Claus style because this is like You could be. This is ridiculous, but that would probably go in line with you talking like you're talking about like the modern day transition into the dark gritty cynical comedy. Wait, there's a movie out right now,
1: a Mel Gibson movie out called Fat Man, uh, which is people trying to kill Santa Claus, played by Mel Gibson. Oh my gosh, yeah. what is It's happening? in theaters right now. Yeah. <laughs> and I was going to say, there's also some weird little connections uh, with Douglas Seal, who played Santa Claus. Um, he was in Ghostbusters 2, was one of his bit roles, but he was also in Golden Girls. Uh, which is a fun little thing, since I mentioned that earlier. He was had a bit role in Golden Oh Girls. my goodness, yeah, that's right. And uh, he was also had a bit role in Cheers, and Cheers also had characters of Vera, or uh, which was um, George Wendt's wife in the show. Um, you never saw her um, in the series, just like you never see Vern. Um, so they had this sort of parallel thing going on
0: comedic wise string theory yeah oh. we, are, we are now a string theory podcast super deep
1: and also douglas seal was like a legitimate actor um he was he was nominated for a tony award for noises off in 1984 oh wow so he was an accomplished actor before he became santa claus well, can I give some background on Jim Varney and Ernest? I would love that. I, I took a deep dive into this. Uh, first of all, do you know what Ernest P. Worrell's middle name is? What the P stands for?
0: I have no idea. Power tools. Power <laughs> tools. Ernest Power Oh my gosh. Tools. Oh my gosh. Ernest P. Worrell. Tim Allen. Tim the Tool Man Taylor. There is so much more connections. So many with connections. With these Santa movies. I can't believe this. Yeah. Uh you're turning into a string theory podcast oh my goodness, before yeah. your ears. Get this out the red so...
1: string and the pork <laughs> board. We're going to do this. Uh, that just blew my mind already. Yeah. Do it
0: again. Do it again, Chris. Do it again. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, so Jim Barney uh, was a stand-up comedian and impressionist in the 70s, um, and he just had a really hard time making it in the world of acting. So he moves back home, um, but the director of the Ernest movies, John Cherry, remembered him and called him up to do a commercial. So in this commercial, uh, it was supposed to advertise for a run-down amusement park in Bowling Green, Kentucky. And this the people had bought it, but the, it was so run-down that the, the John Cherry didn't want to show it. On television, because nobody would want to go. <laughs> wow! <laughs> uh, so they came up with this idea that they would film Ernest telling his neighbor, who ended up being Vern, played by the camera, like he was talking right in the camera, tell- telling Vern about this great amusement park. And so you don't see the park, mm. uh, but you're advertising for it. So that ended up becoming how they made the first commercial, and it was so popular that he got, ended up getting picked up by a dairy manufacturer to make commercials about ice cream and things. And they filmed uh, up to 26 commercials in a single day. Because they would go uh, do form, film local commercials, and they also did some really big name commercials, like Sprite. They they advertised for, mm-hmm. uh, but they did local things like local car dealerships and local dairies. Can you guess what the estimated number is for how many commercials Ernest appeared in? Oh
0: my gosh um okay so 26 i'm to say aim high to, yeah so you said 26 and and that's 26 individual commercials they filmed
1: 26 like... individual spots in one day oh my
0: gosh yeah. um and <laughs> i i'm gonna think it's over a thousand frankly
1: you would be correct
0: and you're also low oh my gosh um okay so
1: f- over five thousand. It was an estimated 6,000 commercials. Oh my gosh. Many of them filmed in director John Cherry's house uh, in or around. Wow. Um, and they have all sorts of, some of the things that you see in the earnest movies, like where he's flipping flapjacks and he throws them up in the air and they don't come back down until he wants them to. That, that started in a commercial. Wow. There, you can actually see online. There's a little mini documentary about Jim Barney that you can watch. It's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And you see them filming that same pancake bit where somebody's up above him catching the pancakes off camera, <laughs> it, it, just like they do in, in Ernest Saves Christmas. What, uh, what eventually launched his career, I mean, he had this huge audience already. Um, so what, the, the contention that this guy who made this mini documentary made was that Jim Varney was the original viral star because he, yeah. he was on thousands of commercials, local commercials all around the country all at the same time. So he was already very much famous before the movies came out. Mm -hmm. And uh, what happened was that uh, he was making an appearance at the Indy 500, you know, the the car race. Yeah. And uh, he he was going to make an appearance and so was Mickey Mouse. And he way outperformed Mickey Mouse as far as fan reactions. Oh my gosh. Um, Wow. And so Michael Eisner, who was the head of Disney at the time, Saw this and said, we got to get this guy <laughs> say. in the movies, yeah, and so I mean obviously there's this built in audience, and one of the things even now that that um, movies and books are looking for are existing properties, you know things mm. that already have an audience because then you know that that's like a built in group of people who are going to go see the movie, and so they end up filming the the first one you know Ernest goes to camp, which had some of the same Uh, comedic bits like with ladders like at the beginning of the movie he's tying um, some rope up around a ladder up around the sign Uh, this is like camp I can't remember what the camp's name is Um, and then the ladder tips back and he falls off of it that was a bit that they'd taken from their commercials Uh, so they were able to kind of use that treasure trove of material and tie it back into the movies which was pretty cool not only did they were they making Ernest like I said, Jim Varney wanted to kind of get away from Ernest. Not that he didn't like the character, but he wanted to try to broaden his his resume a little bit. But he kept getting pulled yeah. back in. Including while they were making the movies, they made a a, a TV show called Haven. Hey it's Ernest, which was canceled after only like a dozen episodes, mm. which seems like a total shame to me. And I actually kind of remember this show as a kid and had some kind of Pee Wee's Playhouse. Elements to it, like Ernest's house. If you look at like all of the the Rube Goldberg elements of it, it kind, of, kind of very reminiscent of Pee Wee's Playhouse, and also Doc Brown's house in Back to the Future, because mm-hmm. Doc Brown had a lot of those sort of Rube Goldberg elements. Um, I guess it was maybe it was just in the air back then. Believe it or not, um, Jim barney won an, an Emmy, a daytime Emmy, for playing Ernest. On Hey, Vern! It's Ernest. The the short-lived TV show. That's sweet. Isn't that so sweet? Yeah. He was also nominated for the worst new movie star. He won a Razzie uh, for Ernest Goes to Camp in 1987.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I could I could believe that.
1: That's yeah. Own it. Own, Own it. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I think that was so amazing. Like the, the the journey this guy makes um, from like giving up acting. Uh, to being pulled back in for a couple commercials, to becoming like the original viral star, yeah. and then eventually
0: starring in all of these movies—it's kind of kind of an incredible thing. Well, when you were describing the initial commercial, I was like, "That's really really clever." Because Isn't how it? how how do you get stuff to travel? Well, by word of mouth at mm-hmm. that point. And so, why don't you just perform a commercial that's like your friend coming over to tell you how awesome something is, right? That's really great. Um, and that's that's so clever. So I'm assuming then that all of the commercials, even though he was doing different products, they were still like him visiting Vern and telling- Not all of Telling them. Vern. Yeah. Okay, so they were- But
1: all... Vern made appearances. Uh, and you can actually, you can get DVDs of like collections of these commercials. Yeah. And I kind of recommend that you do. Um, and they they kind of get repetitive after a while. I mean, they made thousands of them, right? so you're going to yeah. repeat material, but uh, it, it's kind of an amazing feat that they did to be able to crank out 26 wow. spots in a day um, is just kind of insane. And there, are, a lot of them are very simple, where it's like one shot. It's, it's Ernest flipping flapjacks, and it's just that one camera angle. Or when he's telling Vern about the, 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 the amusement park, it's one shot, which is just kind of an incredible little thing. They just knocked it
0: all out. Uh, in one take. You can do several takes in yeah. one, like, like an hour since the commercial is like, what, 15, 30 seconds. Yeah. yeah that's, that's impressive. Pretty incredible. need marketing like that again. <laughs> but I guess that's what like YouTube marketing is at this point. Yeah.
1: But in a way you do kind of see, we've gone back to this era of absurd or uh, funny commercials. And I yes. you know, it's, it's funny yes. that the, the companies that do it are these Insurance companies who you would never think would have absurd things go on, but they right. they kind of have embraced that. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think that I mean, Ernest played maybe a little role in setting that up. You know, It's hard to pull Christian elements out of a film like this because it's clearly about Santa Claus, which is Christmas, but not really about Christ. Ernest, while he is um, the snake guy, he's like pretends to be the snake guy. He he whistles something. Did you catch what song he
0: whistled? It sounded like um, a Christmas carol, but like a the ones that Christians like. I forget. It was Rock of Ages. So that Rock
1: of oh, Ages, that's right. cleft for me.
0: Let I me do remember hide that. I
1: myself in the yeah, uh, which is you know I you can find that one little bit. <laughs> There's one little bit of a sort of
0: Christian sparkle in there. They also have his uh, sticker in his van. Or in the taxi cab when he puts down the glove box. Oh. It says, keep Christ in Christmas. See? For like a second. Look at that. Which uh, was a little funny. So that's yeah. that was clever.
1: There are some interesting elements to discuss in this film uh, where it may seem sort of like a shallow – movie and it's just a comedy uh, but it does bring up some interesting topics about can like can christians can you and i laugh at somebody else's misery yes that was something we ran into when we made our film bringing out bobby Uh, a lot of the comments if you read the comments in that movie on amazon people are really offended that it's a it is a comedy that talks about jesus because it it seems like it's really hard it's hard to have those two things next to each other you know or working together and and same with like being a Christian, can I laugh at somebody else's misery when that in other contexts that would seem
0: really cruel? That's a good question. And I guess, yeah, that's that's a great transition then into our next section. Um, I don't think we'll probably have any mention of spoilers in the movies, so people can still go see it comfortably yeah. um as we move forward, but definitely more in depth here. I I, you know, your question about like can Christians laugh at certain forms of comedy where people are getting hurt? Man, I couldn't imagine reading Esther without laughing uh, a couple of oh. times. And that's like a very, I, I almost would say like, because every book of the Bible, I'm sorry, the book, the Bible, the book, the Bible, <laughs> um, it I'm is not Bible. about yeah. to confuse the Bible with something else like I am Ernest Saves Christmas with Scared <laughs> Stupid. Um, the Bible, the holy word of God, really contains every kind of genre. And I feel like Esther is very much a dark comedy.
1: Yeah, well I mean like Haman gets his own. He like sets oh my it, gosh. you know, yeah. he sets it up and it's a sort of a bait and switch. You think he's going to kill the Jews with this, and then he ends up getting exactly what he was setting up to get.
0: Yeah. Right. It is like such schadenfreude. Um, I don't know how else to describe it, where like you're reading it and it is such a like it's really satisfying in such a comedic way while mm-hmm. also simultaneously a dramatic way. Right. But like it is that unification of drama and comedy. Like you, you, you have the dramatic irony of knowing that, well, first off that God is in control of everything. So Haman yeah. will lose uh, no matter what, but like you, you don't quite know how yet, but you do know that it is going to happen. And then you don't realize that of course, Haman is, literally setting it up himself now that is very different to saul and the amalekites um, we're reading through first kings when saul is told to slay the entirety of the amalekites he doesn't and then his death of course is by the hand of an amalekite now he was Mm. supposed to god told him he had to now when he dies it's not really funny it is 100 drama it is it is very moving and emotional and moving in the sense of like Saul is still the bad guy. Like, but there is still like this dramatic emotional connection to him as this tragic character that when he dies by the failure of his own sin, it's not like Haman where like Haman dying is like, it's just so the way it is written is very funny. And so I, I always think like with that particular question, uh, Chris, where Christians can be like, you know, can we laugh at people getting hurt? Like, obviously, there's certain kinds that are not like Saul dying by his irony is not is not funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess I could passively say like, ah, oh, yeah, it's funny, but like, it's not like I'm not going to laugh about it. But like Haman, yeah. it's like it's a very different like the way it's paced and everything to me, it reads like this is an Israelite author who is purposely mocking the enemies of God as God also laughs at his enemies Yeah, and we should participate in it. But not that we prepared to talk about that, but what do you think about that? Like, what do you think about like, even just like that comparison of Esther and saw um, the book of Esther and then first Kings like comedy. It's like we said that there,
1: there's a lot of, there's a lot of comparisons, a lot of things that are very similar between comedy and other genres like drama. Yeah. It's a lot about setting people up for to either get what they expect or what they or, or to surprise them. And you can see that in the Bible that it happens, like you said, with the story of Haman. Um, and it, it's something that uh, something can be both tragic and funny at the same time. Or even I was thinking uh, in the book of Judges, there's the, the one judge ends up stabbing the king, and the, the king is so fat that the he can't get the sword back out. It gets swallowed up in his fat. Right. Which is like the original gross-out comedy,
0: you know? And the way it's described, like, do we even want to describe what the text says? It is so disgusting. It is. It is. <laughs> and- and, and and yeah. I'm laughing right now thinking about it. Like, how could I not laugh about yeah, it? Yeah, right? it's such
1: a weird, it's, a, it's such a weird thing. Um, and uh, and so, I mean, there's a lot of conversations, especially around parents and children, about what is the role of, of violence in video games and in television and in movies that I should be showing my kids? You know, can I show them a Roadrunner cartoon where the, you know, uh, the coyote gets beaten up? like crazy. Oh my gosh, yes. You know, uh, and, and you kind of got that, you know, The Simpsons made fun of that with um, Itchy and Scratchy, uh, you know, where That's right. they were going going way up and up and over to kind of show what children's television had become. It was just very violent. So they're going very big to kind of make that obvious. Um, so I don't know if I have really good answers to that. Can Christians laugh at somebody else's misery? But as a filmmaker, I can say, Especially as a comedic filmmaker, because one of our movies was a comedy, uh, it's very hard to make comedy without having it at somebody's expense. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, and and that's that's just sort of a reality. And part of it is also there's a style of humor where I'm I'm laughing because I relate to my own weakness. Yeah, you know, and we can laugh at ourselves. Uh, For me, as a comedian, I, I also do improv comedy. I do a lot of things.
0: (laughs) Renaissance man.
1: Renaissance or master of none, I guess would be what I would classify it as. Ah. See, that's comedy at expense, but it's a little funny. I get it. (laughs) uh, But to me, like comedy is such a way that I deal with stress. I I think that laughing at ourselves is a big part of what makes us human fundamentally. So Mm -hmm. uh, not to... Keep bringing up my own podcast and my own stuff, but do it. I, I, it's I, great. Do it. <laughs> I started talking about uh, the season talking about Russia and how its communism impacted the American church. But I talked about Russia. I spent a long time talking about them because I wanted the audience to understand the journey that the Russian people took to get to that place. And one of the things that uh, one of the historians and I talked about was this dark sense of humor that the Russian people had about their own situation. I think that humor in a lot of ways is us coping with reality. You know, it's, it's, it's a coping mechanism we use. And so part of that is uh, part of laughing with our friends and laughing at people in movies is, is relationships almost. It's, it's us learning how to deal with humanity and struggles and trials. That may not be the, the most sort of Puritan, puritanical way to live your life, you know, but I, I want to live in a world where we can laugh at our pain. Uh, And we can laugh at our own problems. Like um, I I belong to the same improv comedy troupe for 11 years. And, uh, and we've literally as a group have gone through births and deaths and uh, um, the suicides of some loved ones. Mm, We've gone through um, marriages, uh, something inside the group where people have married each other and just bad days, you know, and, and to be able to go there and laugh together and bring up these things that happen to us and to be able to laugh about them it just makes life better, you know, to be able to laugh at our circumstances and what what went wrong in that day. And I think that's that's why we watch comedy movies. It's one of the reasons why when people can't sleep, they put on The Office because there's something calming about comedy. There's something relatable about it that we just find comforting so i i even though it's it's one of those theological lines where it's like it's going to depend on you and your family and and what you can and can't take and what you find acceptable Mm -hmm. uh what kinds of humor you you allow into your house um but i i really love slapstick because again like i said it it helps me to deal with life it helps me to to be able to enjoy it a little bit more by laughing i don't know about you i mean do do you do you get the same sense from comedy? I do.
0: I mean, I that's I mean I I always feel like I have to go on the defensive especially when talking um on the podcast knowing we're a Christian movie podcast. Right. Uh when I talk about the fact that I like dark comedy. I like right. I like horror comedies. I think they're they can be very entertaining at times. I like short story horror because sometimes they're just purposely funny. And almost almost always to teach a lesson where you kind of go, ah, of course that would happen. And it's always really clever and fun. And I enjoy that. So I always feel like I have to be on the defensive. But I do that because I also think there is as much as there's laughter at pain is one aspect of redemption, because I do believe that when we are in the new kingdom, a Billion years from now, because living for eternity includes a billion years from now, we will look at the temporary affliction we experience now and chuckle about it because it's like, I can't Mm. believe, like, I can't believe I didn't trust that this would be how I'm living now. Like, I can't believe I sinned instead of trusted in the hope that even a billion years from now, I will be living in the presence of the Lord and everything will be perfect and I will never cry again out of pain or fear or anything like that. So why didn't I just persevere instead? And I think we would chuckle and laugh about that. We wouldn't, because chuckling and laughing is not always like acceptance or glorification of something. Sometimes it is almost a sort of like a, yeah, it's like a, I think it's an aspect of redemption in some ways. Now, that said, that means there's also, when is it wrong to do it? And I think that's when cynicism is applied. So you chuckle because there's no alternative. There's no hope, so I'm going to laugh about it. This is why... Mm -hmm. This is why I think I've mentioned kind of passively, and maybe someday we'll do a new episode on this, but like a movie like Joker from 2019 is very cynical. Yeah. The comedy in that film is to say, well, of course this is funny because this is the only alternative. Mm-hmm. You either laugh at pain or you exist in pain and then you die and that's it. There's nothing right. else. And that's really bad. Sort of nihilism. Yeah, that's yeah. really bad. As much as I found there's one joke at the end, it's not a joke, but it's the joker making the joke about how knock knock who's there i'm your neighbor your son just died in a car accident as much as i found that very funny in the movie um because it's just set up the way it is it's also like the point of the film is what else are you going to do you're going to cry about it and feel horrible you're going to laugh about it and like that's not the that's not the christian walk we don't laugh because there's no alternative we are free to cry because things hurt that's right. just how it is. Yeah. And we're allowed to hurt. Christ was allowed to hurt a lot when he walked to Calvary. Yeah. And the women he was who were weeping for him were permitted to weep, but he also encouraged to say, weep for yourself. He didn't say, stop crying and start laughing. He says... Weep, but weep for yourselves because of your circumstances, knowing that I am doing my, my father's will. And so there's nothing wrong here, mm-hmm. which is wild for a man who has just been lashed, beaten, and has a th- crown of thorns shoved onto his head, carrying yeah. his own death cross to say, don't cry for me. It's just wild. Man, our God is so good. Yeah, He's I mean, so strong. He's so strong. But it's it's a very different thing to cynicism, which is weak. It is very weak. And I think right. that's that's the fear is if you're laughing at pain or dark comedy and things like that there's a line and i think you're kind of getting into it where like what is it for your family what is it for your community what is it for your culture what is it for your independent walk with the lord that that line crosses from enjoyment so like a haman situation like haha see he's going to get what's coming or a tragedy where like, I I think it would be inappropriate to laugh when Saul is killed by an Amalekite. Right. I think an example of David rending his clothes and everyone else rending their clothes over the death of Saul is evidence of the fact that it is not something funny. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. And even in terms of Jewish history, when it came to the reading of Esther, when they would read it, King Xerxes, his name, I forget the name that they give him. It's King Ahasuerus, I think. I think that's his real name. I can't remember which one. But one of the names that they give him is something like, it's a mocking name. Hmm. It's like cursing at him is the yeah. name that they give him. And so even traditionally when reading the book of Esther, it's read with like, not cynicism, but like that victorious, haughty laughter that is rightfully appropriate when reading scripture in that way. So yeah, it's it really what it comes down to is context, I think yeah. is... Is if we wanted to take another hour to talk, of which I know we don't. Because <laughs> uh, for the listener, you're listening at any time of day. For, for us, we're recording, and it's like four minutes to eleven p.m. Getting so yeah. it is late. But yeah, I think I think it it requires um, a contextual literary understanding to to properly understand comedy. Now, Ernest, coming back to Ernest. I think it's okay to laugh when he's yeah. doing stuff, and at somebody's house is being torn apart while he's just trying to bring some Christmas cheer. I think that's okay, and it's it's relatable because that could have happened to any of us. And I was going right. to say about yeah. the
1: Purim thing or the this. Uh, Alice Esther, I don't know if you've ever been to a Purim celebration. I
0: don't think so. Now I
1: strongly recommend it if you can. But generally, you cheer whenever Esther uh or what is her brother's name?
0: Is it Mordecai? The uncle Mordecai, uncle, uncle. Yes. I think. Yeah. Okay
1: whenever the good guys names are said you cheer and whenever haman's uh, name is said because they read the whole text out loud of of the book of esther uh whenever heyman is read out loud you boo so that you, you don't hear his name and it becomes this very <laughs> celebratory event um and like people bring noisemakers and stuff like that
0: like party horns the original rocky horror picture show
1: in a way yes you know
0: <laughs> this is in great. a way yeah uh, uh
1: and and i think that that's a way again the way that we humans can face a very dark subject is by by
0: laughing or celebrating in it, and that book is really dark. Whew. Like that's why it's a dark comedy to me because it's very funny. But like the book starts with like there is like a month long drunken orgy where a wife to the king does not want to come out and dance mm-hmm. because she'd probably be like abused, yeah. and then she like is like loses her queenship, which probably means she dies. <laughs> and it's like that's it's, that's evil. Yeah, that's so evil. Welcome to the Bible. Yeah, Yeah. right. Yeah, well, there you go. There's lots of stories of that stuff. And then, of course, but you keep reading it. And yeah, it's like a very kind of funny book. And then you're describing this ceremony of reading it, but cheering like, yeah, that's insane. But it's like, it makes sense to me. It makes sense. Like it clicks in my brain. Well, I look forward to reading the, the listener comments. So what, what what y'all think about this? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I would love to hear that. Where's yeah.
1: the line for comedy? Where, what, what can you laugh at? What can't you laugh at? Um, especially in context with movies like this, with slapstick. What, how, can, how do you respond
0: to slapstick humor at somebody's expense? So safe to say then, yeah, I mean, Irma, Ernest Saves Christmas, almost said it again, Scared Stupid. Pretty good movie, pretty fun movie, yeah. good slapstick film too, Um, as far as slapstick is concerned. I'm trying to think of another good one I would recommend that's a slapstick comedy. Chris, do you have any good slapstick comedy, even a seasonal slapstick comedy that's, that's a good one to check out? Oh my goodness.
1: I actually, I would recommend watching the first two seasons of Baskets, if you can, uh, the, you the TV show. Um, uh, especially though the weird mix of drama and comedy is just marvelous in the first two seasons there's a scene I don't even want to give it away there's a scene if you see it with a very large piece of bread And if you see it, tell me what you think about it, because I think it's one of the most brilliant moments I've ever seen on television. Excellent. And Chris, where can people check you out? Yeah, you can find the Truce podcast anywhere you get podcasts or at trucepodcast.com. And if you want to see my films, they were bringing up Bobby and Between the Walls. And also I've got a short, if you got the Netflix set up where you can get DVDs, I, I would love to know if my stuff is still on there. And uh, you can see my student films from when I was in film school. Oh, cool. Yeah, I have a DVD of films called The Elephant uh, and also a DVD of short animated shorts that are also on YouTube called Pint-Sized Parables. But start with the Truce
0: podcast. And the book. We yeah. can't get out. We can't get through this without you yes. bringing up the
1: book. <laughs> I have a book. Yes, I have a book as well. I, uh called Cradle Robber, uh, which is a, uh, a uh, time travel thriller that is really aimed at uh, speaking to our current anger as Christians that you see in public, especially around the uh, the the uh, issue of abortion. So it's very timely right now because uh, that's one of the main drivers of the 2016 and 2020 elections. That's right. But it's also uh, a, a thriller and a romance. So um, it's, a, it's a really interesting book. I'd, I'd love for you all to check it out.
0: Well, thanks so much for coming on, Chris. Uh, thanks for having me. This has been fun. Thanks so much for checking out this episode on Ernest Saves Christmas, and thanks so much Chris Starrin from Truce Podcast for joining me on this exciting and festive episode. If you've seen Ernest Saves Christmas, what did you think of it? If you're listening on Cinematic Doctrine's website, let us know in the comments below or shoot us an email to cinematicdoctrine at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving a review for the podcast on iTunes, Podchaser, or wherever you listen. We'd love to hear what you have to say. And as mentioned before, Cinematic Doctrine has a Patreon. For as little well as $3 a month, you're opted into a once-a-month movie poll where you decide a movie we discuss on the podcast. You also gain access to The Pre-Show, a Patreon-exclusive podcast series where we casually talk movies, Christianity, and life itself. There are other unique benefits that come with supporting the podcast, so be sure to check that out at patreon.com forward slash doctrine. A special shout-out to those who support at the Art House Theater tier on Patreon. Thank you so much, Mom, Dad, Melanie, Sherlian, and Thomas. You guys are the best, and your continued monetary support is greatly appreciated. Until next time, stay cool. Want some Cinematic Doctrine swag? You're in luck. We've got 3-inch Cinematic Doctrine logo stickers exclusive for Patreon supporters. Perfect for your travel mug or laptop. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematicdoctrine, link in the show notes, and choose the independent theater tier. Doing so will net you other perks too. But let's be real. The podcast stickers are the coolest perk, so get yourself some podcast stickers by supporting on Patreon.